Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And we're back. Wow. Almost a full week, basically a full week off. I mean, last episode I dropped was last Monday. No, actually, by the time most people listen to this one, it'll probably be on Wednesday, uh, November 29th. Wow, November almost coming to an end. It's been a great, been a great November. Pretty good November. Good memories. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was amazing. Very nice seeing my family, seeing my cousin, my grandfather. Just, just amazing stuff all around. Hit up the casino, lost some money, watched a lot of football, predicted some games right, some games I didn't, but I mean, all's in good fun. Ate some good food. I'm trying, I'm trying to think what else I did over my Thanksgiving break. As always, had some drinks. Uh, did a little Black Friday shopping. Bought some stuff yesterday for Cyber Monday, but um, we'll keep that on the down low. Um, Saturday, what I do, went out with my parents for a bit. Sunday, watched some football, went out with my folks, uh, saw the girlfriend. Lots of, lots of fun stuff this past weekend, but we're back. Two weeks left of my fall semester of my junior year of college. It's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Time is just flying by, but I'm just, I'm so incredibly blessed to be able to continue along in my college career, continue on in life. God continues to bless me and keep me going, keeps me moving along on the earth. But um, yeah, we're back. Got a fun one today. Um, no, uh, no UFC event this past weekend, which honestly always makes me sad. But we are back um, this next Saturday, December 2nd, UFC Austin, headlined by Armin Tazukrian and Benil Dariush, two top 10, including a top five uh, lightweights in the UFC. Going to be a banger of a fight there. So we will be covering that entire card on the Thursday episode of the show. And Thursday is my actual last day of in-person classes. That actually that actually makes me kind of sad. I've had an amazing semester. Um, seeing um, just meeting a bunch of people, experiencing everything through this IBE. Um, of course, my company, Evergrowing Co., we still have some sweatshirts available. They're actually discounted now at $40. If you guys want to check that out, that will all shut down at the end of the semester, which ends next week in uh, December. Was that December 8th? I believe that is. Yeah, so pretty crazy. Check that out if you want to. But back to what we'll be uh, talking about on this episode. Of course, UFC Austin will be covered on the next episode. Of course, we'll be capping things off by recapping week 12 of the NFL. Lots of interesting things, lots of shakeups, of course. I'm going to be uh, talking about all the, um, uh, what am I trying to say? All the football games that went down. I don't know what word was troubling me. Um, it's Tuesday that this is dropping, but we're still going to do a little movie Monday just because I watched two movies this past weekend. New UFC news, new and new just fights in general, new everything. And our surprise topic for this episode is I will be ranking my top ten Christmas songs. That is right, it's the Christmas season. I uh, I personally love Christmas. It just puts me in this mood of joy. And there, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Like literally, the build up to to Christmas, even like Christmas Day itself, it's so blessed. I'll, I will say the day after Christmas is kind of sucky because you're like, oh, that's pretty much the end of the holiday spirit. Now I just wait for a New Year's Day or Eve or whatever. But hey, you know what? 
we're gonna we're gonna spread joy on this episode. Not gonna talk about anything sad like uh, my semester ending, me not being able to see a bunch of my friends anymore, and the impending doom of the world. No, I'm just joking. But uh, let's let's get into things with how we kick off every episode. We do it every single time, or most of the time, I should say. And that is new UFC news, new fights, new venues, all sorts of fun stuff. And we haven't checked in in a week, so of course, lots of things have happened. So. Since we last spoke, which I'm trying to, I'm trying to recall what day that was on. I think I recorded one, an episode on the, th- what was it, the 20th? Okay, so any, yes, anything since the 20th is going to be in some new, some new fights have been announced. So one of them is Marcos Rogero de Lima will be taking on Justin Taffa at UFC 298 on February 17th, 2024. If no one knows who either of these guys are, Marco Sergio de Lima is, um, I believe he's still ranked. I believe he's still ranked. Yes, he's the, currently the 15th heavyweight in the UFC, fresh off his 32nd loss to Derek Lewis. That was a fun fight. He'll be taking on Justin Badman Taffa, who has found his way to now a three-fight knockout streak. Absolutely incredible stuff from Justin Taffa. Um, picking up a big one over Austin Lane, his last fight out. He's gotten performance of the nights. He's even gotten a fight of the night. This guy is entertaining, and he's a future future heavyweight fighter in the top 15. I believe he'll get done against Marcos Rogero de Lima. But yes, Justin Taffa, keep your uh, keep your ears open for that name come February. Also going down next year, January 13th at UFC Vegas 84, Jim Miller is back against Gabriel Benitez. Jim Miller, fan favorite, lightweight legend. I believe he holds, is it the most wins in UFC history? I think it's wins. I don't think it's, it might be finishes, Um, but I know it's, I think it's wins for sure. Jim Miller, an absolute legend, Um, 36 and 17 professionally, 25 and 16 in the UFC. I mean, the guy just turned 40 in August. He's incredible. Um, he's beaten Donald. He actually retired Donald Cerrone, um, beaten Clay Guida. He's actually beaten Charles Oliveira. That is right. The lightweight King Charles Oliveira. Um, we'll be taking on Gabriel Benitez, seven and six in the UFC, 23 and 10 professionally. I'll say his biggest win is against Clay Collard, who fought for the PFL championship last time out the PFL, of course, the Professional Fighters League, another popular MMA league. But um, I don't know what Gabriel offers to my boy Jim Miller, but um, Jim Miller should uh, beat him. Jim Miller, I hope, actually makes it on UFC 300 as he has fought on UFC 100 and UFC 200. So that would be historic if he could fight on UFC 300. Now, that's probably going down in April. So a January to April turnaround is not unreasonable, but I do hope that it doesn't deter him too much. Um, some other interesting fights coming at us. That's right. We got a big one. That's right. Dana was dropping some Thanksgiving news on us. I was I was absolutely loving it. UFC Vegas 86. I don't love that's at the apex, but going down February 10th, 2024, Jack Hermanson. That's right. Jack Hermanson, the number 10 uh, middleweight in the world, will be taking on Joe Pfeiffer. That is right. Joe Pfeiffer coming from Dana White's Contender Series. Finished all of his UFC opponents. Such an entertaining fighter. Finally gets a shot in the top 15 as he takes on number 10 ranked Jack Hermanson. Jack's pretty much done nothing since 2020. I mean, he's gone win-loss, win-loss pretty much in all of his fights. You know, he'll he'll lose to someone like Jared Cannier, 
beat someone like Chris Curtis. He'll lose to someone like Roman Dolodize, then beat someone like Edmund Shabazian. You know, he loses to top guys nowadays. But um, Joe Pfeiffer back. I, l- I love this guy. Perfect 3-0 and in the UFC, 12-2 and professionally. Big wins over Gerald Merchard and Abdul Razaka Hassan his last two times out. As for Jacker Manson, I mean, th- he is a legend, of course. He holds wins over um, Kelvin Gastelum. And Ronaldo Souza. I mean, I guess, I guess. I mean, not really a legend, but just a notable UFC guy. Definitely a um. What's the word I'm searching for? Definitely a gatekeeper. Yes, a gatekeeper of the middleweight division. But uh, you know, I'm not gonna be picking him. I'll be rooting for Joe Pfeiffer come February. Big one also announced. I don't know if it's a big one, but I consider everything a big one. Between Pedro Munoz and Kyler Phillips for UFC 299, March 9th, 2024. That's right. This is the same card as Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera, so expect a lot of bantamweight fights to be announced. Pedro Munoz, currently the number 10 ranked bantamweight in the world, coming off of a win. I'm a bit surprised he's fighting unranked Kyler Phillips. Now, don't get me wrong, Kyler Phillips, he's 5-1 in the UFC, wins over Rayoni Barcelo, Song Dong, Gabriel Silva. He's a decent fighter, but I mean, take on someone in Pedro Munoz who's knocked out Cody Garbrandt, beaten Rob Font, beaten Chris Gutierrez. I mean, Pedro Munoz is a legit fighter. I figured he'd have been fighting upwards, but... I guess not. He'll be taking on Kyler Phillips come, uh, what is that, March? Wow. Wow, March will come at us before we even know it. And then UFC 300 will be upon us. Still hope it could be McGregor and Chandler. I'm honestly losing hope as, um, what's his face? Dana White said that Michael Chandler can sit out as long as he wants because he is financially set. So I, I honestly hope Michael starts spending some money so he has to get back in the octagon and fight Conor McGregor. But we'll see what UFC 300 brings us. A massive one for this um, upcoming card. This was pretty much the biggest um, news of the weekend. As Dan Hooker, Dan Hooker, of course, was supposed to fight Bobby Green in, the, in a five-round co-main event at a UFC Austin this upcoming Saturday. Dan Hooker currently ranked number nine at lightweight. Bobby Green ranked 13th. Unfortunately, I had to pull out. I, I don't know if it was his arm. I think it was his arm or his leg, which hadn't fully healed from his last fight against Jalen Turner in um the summer, unfortunately, had to pull out. So Dan Hooker will be out of action. Bobby Green left without an opponent. And who better to fight Bobby Green than the last man Dan Hooker fought than Jalen Turner? Number 12 ranked Jalen Turner, a spot higher than Bobby Green in the rankings. Stepping in on, gosh, what is it? Just about... um. Just about a week's notice, probably like eight, nine days notice to take on Bobby Green in the co-main event. Now, it's only three rounds now due to it being short notice, but Jalen Turner, 6-4 and four in the UFC, um, big wins over Euros Medic, Brad Riddell, Jamie Malarkey. His last two fights, split decision losses to Dan Hooker and Matus Garamont, just... Just, just very tough. Just very tough um, losses for him by split decision. He's excellent in round one. He goes into the later rounds. He kind of struggles, but he's so good on the feet. He, um, he just kind of faded. So in Matus, in the, let me just, I'll, let me just settle myself, okay? In the Matus Gamera fight earlier this year, UFC uh, two, uh, was it two eighty five? I believe it was. He basically won round one. He was winning on the feet against Matus Gamrot, but was just getting out grappled, and he got himself too tired out and lost. In the summer, UFC 290 takes on Dan Hooker. Excellent round one and round two. Just about knocks him out, gasses out. Dan Hooker puts on the pace and wins. So I'm hoping 
he can um, get a win here against um, Bobby Green, but we'll see what Jalen Turner brings us this upcoming weekend. And I mean, Bobby Green, he's finished Tony Ferguson. He's knocked out Grant Dawson. He's knocked out Drew Dober. Bobby Green is on the run of a lifetime, getting his um, third, third main event, or not main event, but his, his basically... One of his bigger fights going down this upcoming weekend. A potential to jump into the top 10. Keep your eyes open for this fight. And the last the last big official announcement that I'll touch on was Khalil Roundtree Jr., who is currently the number 11 ranked light heavyweight in the world, was supposed to take on number 12 ranked Azamat Mirzakhanov. Azamat had to pull out. Um, they were actually supposed to fight this upcoming weekend. He pulls out, and guess who's stepping in? To fight him, number eight ranked Anthony Smith. That is right, Anthony Smith, legend of the UFC, um, 37 and 18 professionally, fought John Jones for the belt in 2019. Anthony Lionheart Smith stepping in on short notice to take on Khalil, the warhorse, Roundtree Jr. Absolute killers, both expect a knockout in this one. So, Khalil Roundtree Jr., supposed to be fighting down, now gets to fight a top 10 guy. I think it worked out well for Khalil Roundtree Jr. This will be the co-main event on December 9th, UFC Vegas 83, so going down December 9th, that card was desperately in need need of one more big fight, so that kind of saves it. Of course, the main event, Chris Gutierrez versus um, Song Yedong. Yes, I'm trying to remember. Supposed to be in Shanghai, China, but moved to the United States. Now we're in Las Vegas, but yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy Anthony Smith is back. Of course, a contract um, controversial win over Ryan Spann last time out in August. Clear Roundtree Jr., of course, squashed Chris Dawkins. Actually sent him out of the UFC pack and last time he fought. But um, yeah, Clear Roundtree Jr., um, he's actually uh, finished Paul Craig. I mean, he's beaten Dustin Jacoby. And then you got uh, Anthony Smith, who's um, beaten Vulcan Olsmir, Mauricio Rua. Of course, I mentioned fought John Jones. That's an absolute banger of a fight. Now, in the unofficial scene... The unofficial scene, which we love, we love the unofficial scene. That's where, uh, that's where we get all of our our fun, our fun information about fights that could be going down. Um, apparently, UFC 297 on Dana White's board of fights going down at there. There was a leak that Kevin Holland may be taking on Michael Venom Page. Michael Venom Page, MVP, a Bellator legend. He's fought in bare knuckle fighting too. An amazing striker with an incredible highlight reel of KOs. Is a free agent currently in the MMA market. Rumored to be signing with the UFC. Apparently January 20th, UFC 297. This is going down. And Kevin Holland, I mean, who doesn't love Kevin Holland? Is he still ranked number 12? Number 12 ultimate in the world, Kevin Holland. And that would be an amazing fight, a banger of a fight. And UFC 297 is getting stacked, absolutely stacked. Actually, in correlation to UFC 297, they finally put Myra Bueno Silva back in the rankings at number three. She, of course, takes on number two ranked women's bantamweight, Hawkwell Pennington, for the vacant championship in that division at UFC 297. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting stuff going on to kick off 2024. Going to be a good year, but I'm I'm focused on rounding out 2023. We got three more events. They're all bangers. And, I mean, we get to cap off the year with a pay-per-view. It don't, it don't get any better than that. It's, it is just perfect. It's icing on the top. Um, a cherry, a cherry on the take, on the cake? Yeah, cherry on the cake. Cherry on something. We're putting a cherry on something for the rest of the year. But yeah, 
good times in the good times in the uh, UFC world. I, I actually want to touch on the PFL real um, in a second, but uh, I'm going to take a quick break from uh, fighting to do our little uh, check-in with the other pro leagues. Of course, big uh, big NFL guy myself. And I always check in on how my NBA and NHL brothers are doing. So, of course, we start with the NBA. Um, as of today, what is today? November 28th? Wow, November 28th. November just flew by. I'll say it again and I'll, I'll say it again and again. But already um, heading towards the end of November, just about um, 17, 18, 16 games in for the NBA. In the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics are atop. Um, at 13-4, and 7-0 at home, a perfect 7-0 at home, 8-2 their last 10, coming off a big win. They're atop of the division, been looking good. The Orlando Magic, 12-5 on a seven-game win streak. They were 5-5, five five, bottom of the pack, and have just skyrocketed up. I honestly don't know who's on the Magic. Uh, if, if I'm being honest, who's on the Magic? Is Mo Bamba still on the Magic? Um, I know they got Franz Wagner. I know that, um, who else? Who else do they got? Cole Anthony. Yeah, so Franz Wagner, Cole Anthony, two young Bucks doing their thing, leading the Magic. Good for them. Bucks also at 12-5 on a two-game win streak. They sit at three. 76ers, 12-5, two-game win streak. They're at fourth. Miami Heat at fifth. Pacers at six. Um, currently in the playoffs, if you want to view it as that. The play-ins currently, New York Knicks 9-7, and seven, Cavaliers, Hawks, and Nets all about 9-8 and eight or 8-8. Eight and eight. Detroit Pistons, the worst team in the NBA, 2-15, 14-game losing streak. 14-game losing streak, 0-10, their last 10 um, matchups. Just incredible. The Wizards, also 1-9, their last 10. They did get a win, though, so it snapped their losing streak, but they're 3-14. Just terrible stuff from both those teams. I don't know what to tell them. And my cousins, the Chicago Bulls. Any any Illinois professional sports team is my cousin because my family and my cousins live there. Bulls are five and thirteen on a four game losing streak. Um, it's a shame if they had Lonzo Ball, they'd be good. But Lonzo is unfortunately might never play again. It's it's tragic. It really hurts. Let's switch over to the Western Conference, where the number one team in the Western Conference, twelve and four, eight and two, their last ten, the Minnesota Timberwolves. That is right. Absolutely incorrect. Incredible. Such a great defensive team. One of the best. One of the best in the league. Their um, opponent's points per game is definitely very good. I mean, I'm seeing that the Rockets may have a better um, opponent's points per game, but the Timberwolves only give up about 106 points per game. Um, and actually, yeah, it's actually the second best in the NBA. So incredible stuff from my Timberwolves. Anthony Edwards, Nas Reed, Jalen McDaniels, Carl um, Anthony Towns. I mean, Rudy Gobert, all the boys, just been getting it done. You love to see it. Mike Conley, redemption here in Minnesota. Hey, the Vikings suck. The Wilds suck. The Twins ended up sucking. Timberwolves, you could be Minnesota's hope. The Oklahoma City Thunder um, getting all over those Josh Giddy um, uh, allegations are currently number two in the Western Conference, 11 and 5, 8 and 2 their last 10. Of course, Josh Giddy, 21 um, year old in his second year in the league, rumored to have gotten with an underage girl. Videos and uh, pictures have been surfacing online. Definitely not good for the Thunder's image. It'll be interesting to see if Josh Giddy can beat the case and prove she was of legal age. We'll see, Josh. We'll see. But um, in basketball land, 
Denver Nuggets, 12 and 6, number 3 seed, and on a 7 game win streak, the Phoenix Suns are now 11 and 6. Kevin Durant finally turning up, and I've been hearing rumors they might trade for uh Seth Curry. We'll see. Devin Booker also been saucing it up. Mavericks 10 and 6, been kind of averages here in the Sacramento Kings 9 and 6, continuing to plow forward. Houston Rockets are 8 and 6. Uh, the number seven seed and number eight seed, the Lakers, ten and eight. You know they got ten wins more than the Rockets and Kings, but they have two more losses, which knocks them down the rung. Um, towards the bottom of the pack, Memphis Grizzlies, three and thirteen on a four-game losing streak, and just as bad as the Detroit Pistons, the San Antonio Spurs, three and fourteen, twelve-game losing streak, zero and ten, zero and ten. Their last ten games, actually zero and twelve. Their last twelve games. So we look at the losing streak. Clippers 7-9, and nine. James Harden has proven nothing, not beneficial at all, and uh, Trailblazers 5-12 and 12, near the bottom of the pack as expected. So as the season winds on, the Timberwolves and the Celtics rule their divisions and rule the uh, NBA. And actually, yeah, Timberwolves are second best team in the league, actually right behind the Celtics in terms of losses to wins. Incredible stuff. I, lo- I love to see it. I, I just I, It brings me so much joy. And looking at last season, I mean, if we go back to last season, I just want you to know that the Timberwolves ended horribly. They were 36-46. and 46. We missed the playoffs. I'll tell you, this has just been a breath of fresh air. And I don't really watch the games, but uh, I still check in here and there. Here and there. Let's hit the ice with the uh, NHL teams as the Rangers with a 15 and uh, 15 wins, four losses. It's not showing me their overtime losses, but judging that they have 31 points, you can assume that the Rangers have only lost five games. Good stuff for the Rangers atop the Eastern. Um, I don't know if they're atop the Eastern Conference, but atop their division, the Metropolitan Division. Bruins are uh, 14 and four, 14 and four with three overtime losses, I believe. Senators bottom of the pack in the Atlantic, um, eight and nine with um, how many losses? Oh, just eight and nine, just a perfect eight and nine. Wow, how about that? And the Blue Jackets at seven and twelve, Ooh, seven wins, twelve losses. Um, how many overtime losses do they have? I think they have four overtime losses. Kind of rough stuff all about all around there. But um, good job to the Rangers and the Bruins. So let's switch over to the Western Conference. Golden Knights 14 and 5. I believe they have three overtime losses um atop of the uh, Pacific Division and also uh not, no not atop of the um Western Conference. Kings are 13 and the 13 and 3 with three overtime losses on a five game win streak. Ducks sadly um sitting at 6 in the division on a six game losing streak. That's tough. Sharks 5 and 15. 5 and 15, 5 wins, 15 losses. Actually, they have um how many how many? They actually have like two overtime losses as well, but you know what? They've rallied. They're not even the worst team in the league anymore. It's the Minnesota Wild, just about seven game losing streak, 5 10 and 4. 5 10 and 4. We have 14 losses. It's absolutely embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. I I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. It's just it's absolutely terrible season for the Wild and the Blackhawks. Getting Connor Bedard are now six six thirteen, and it's just a straight up six and thirteen. Haven't even lost in overtime. They just are so bad. Predators though, five game win streak now sitting at ten and ten. Good for them. Good for them. 
Avalanche, though, 15, 6, and yeah, just 15 and 6, 15 and 6, 30 points. Four game win streak has them in second in the Pacific Division. Wow, looking at the points, that's how I'll tell. So a three way tie for the best team in the NHL between the Bruins, Rangers, and Golden Knights. Good stuff in the NHL. Really got to bring my experts back on to teach me more about the NHL. But um, I'll switch back over to um, the uh, MMA realm of things as the PFL. The PFL had their championship, their uh, million-dollar championship or whatever they do, and we got a bunch of world champions. So I figured we, sh- we would touch on this briefly, you know, briefly touch on this. As you know, it's just it's pretty notable. It's pretty notable. It's fun. It's fun to look at. Just look at these guys that, that get it done. So um, basically... In um, I'm trying to remember where it where it took place. Wasn't it in um, wasn't it in it was it Madison? Was it in Madison Square Garden? I don't know where it went down. It was on Black Friday. They had their championship. They crowned what is it one two three four six champions. They all get their belts. They've all won their tournament, won their season, and they get a million dollars. It was amazing. Derek Brunson actually fought on the card. That's right, former UFC fighter Derek Brunson. Freaking love Derek Brunson, might I add. Not now that he's out of the UFC, that is. He beats Ray Cooper the third by unanimous decision. Some dominant ground and pound. He is looking good. He'll be back um, next uh, next season for the PFL or even in Bellator in general. Derek Brunson loving it. Kayla Harrison returning, beats former UFC fighter Aspen Ladd by unanimous decision, a dominant showing by Kayla Harrison, but just not what we saw in the past few years. She's kind of fallen off. I think people realize she's not as dominant as she's made out to be, but you know what? She's getting a win. Let's talk about um. Let's talk about the big uh, wins of all the uh, all the fighters. As um, Impa Kansagana, Impa Kansagana wins the light heavyweight championship. In PFL, he beats Josh Silveira by unanimous decision, I believe it was, to uh, secure his victory. And Impa is, of course, the man who was spinning back kicked by Joking Buckley, the most viral UFC KO of all time, has found his way to a championship. Incredible stuff from Impa. I love to see it. Beats Martin Hamilton, beats Josh Silveira, wins the belt, and calls out, you'll never guess it, Francis Ngannou, he wants the smoke with Francis Ngannou. I love it in Punkansagana. I was trying to think about um who he'd match up with in Bellator. I think they, was it Natum Venkoff or whatever is the champion? I don't know how that would go, but good win for Impa Kansagana, guys. Really, really appreciate him. In the light, in the featherweight world, that is, not even on the main card. All right, the, the main card costs like 50 bucks for the PFL, so affordable, but no one's buying it because it's the, just not enough name brand fighters. But on the prelims, featherweight fighter Jesus Pinedo, the biggest underdog of the whole season, was not even supposed to be here, right? Knocks out the champion from last year, Brendan Loney, knocks out his next guy, comes in, beats Bubba Jenkins, beats Gabriel Braga with a, what was it? I think it was a round round number one, two, I think it was a round number three, standing TKO to become the featherweight champion. Jesus Pinedo, hailing from, uh, it was either Mexico or Peru. I think it was Peru, actually. Incredible stuff from Jesus Pinedo. I love to see it. And people were saying, like, hey, how would this guy match up with against Patricio Pitbull, um, Bellator featherweight champion? I don't know, but I do know I'm happy for him. Good job to Jesus Pinedo. It's spelled Jesus. It's spelled Jesus. We love Jesus. 
In the um, welterweight, in the welterweight tournament for um, the, whatever, if you all phrase it as tournament or season, however, the PFL does their thing. Magomed, Magomed Derakimov, if you can guess from just that name, got a round three submission over last year's champion, Sabado Sai, to become the new welterweight champion. Amazing stuff, just amazing stuff from Magomed. I, lo- I love to see it. This, this Magomed guy, just an absolute savage. I mean, I think he has like one loss, maybe no losses. Incredible stuff, incredible run, and this guy could probably match up with a lot of welterweights in the UFC. So uh, keep your ears open for Magomed, Magomed Karaminov. Just an incredible name. I just love his name. In the Women's Featherweight Championship, Larissa Pacheco beats Marina Makratina by unanimous decision, becoming a two-time winner of the PFL Championship in Featherweight and in Bantamweight. Incredible stuff from Larissa Pacheco. We, we, we love to see it. And she she called out Chris Cyborg. She said she'll fight um, Kayla Harrison in a rematch. She'll even fight who? Julia Pena. I don't know. Larissa Pacheco, one of the best woman fighters in the world. Heading over to our co-main event, which was our heavyweight boys. I believe it was. Was it our heavyweight boys? Yes. Hennon Ferreira becomes a... Um, was he a two-time champion? I don't know if Hennon Ferreira had won it before. But he knocks out Dennis Golzatov in round number two, I believe it was, to become champion. He'd previously knocked out Maurice Green. And he had knocked out... Um, oh, what's his freaking name? Jorgen De Castro, two uh, former UFC fighters, actually two training partners of John Jones. Hennon Ferreira wins the heavyweight championship, wins the million dollars, and honestly, he matches up pretty well with Francis Ngannou for an MMA fit. Hennon Ferreira, a dominant heavyweight. I'd love to see that guy in the UFC. If I'm being honest, get him in the UFC. And his opponent, Dennis Goldsov, all right, equally as good. That guy could easily fight in the UFC on any good day. So, good win for those fellas. And in the main event, former UFC fighter, and last year's winner of the lightweight championship, Olivier Aubin Mercier, beats Clay Collard by unanimous decision to become a two-time champion. You'll love to see it. The Canadian gets it done. He was looking good. He was feeling good. And also, he had me feeling good. He had me feeling good, man. Oliver, Oliver, just incredible stuff. I mean, he beat Bruno Miranda, beats Clay Collard in the championship. You love to see it. I don't know who he would fight in light. Who Who is he matching up with? He was matching up with someone. I don't really know the Bellator fighters, but big fights ahead in 2024 for these guys. I'm, I'm happy to see what um what comes of everything. But um yeah, it was it was an okay event. I didn't really watch it. I pretty much I pretty much just read the results off there any finishes. But I'm actually Biggio Ali Walsh, um Muhammad Ali's grand great grandson or whatever, actually knocked out his opponent in round number one. This guy's going crazy on the MMA scene. I believe he's still an amateur, might be a pro yet. I don't know, but he's been he's been so much fun to watch. So I've been it's been a pleasure watching him uh, engage in some fights. Um, just gonna touch in real quick here on Hoist. All right, you already know I'm calling for my Hoist sponsorship. Of course, the uh, hydration, the uh, IV hydration drink that is used by athletes by the military. It's super good. It's super tasty. It's really um, it's really good for you. It really hydrates you better than Gatorade. Less sugar. Um, I encourage everyone to give it a try and hoist. No, for don't be afraid to holler at your boy. I'm, I'm just gonna keep tagging you. All right, all right. Well, should I, should I start tagging any company that I want to be sponsored by? I know I got to gain a better, bigger, better following. No, bigger following. My following's already better than anyone else's. But um, yeah, you already know we got to shout out hoist. 
going over just so many random things on here. In WWE land, all right, WWE wrestling, professional wrestling, used to be a huge WWE guys, um, fan, guys. I used to be a huge WWE kid. I mean, I would watch all the events. I'd get the magazines, the figures. I had the posters. I had the bed sheets. I, I freaking read autobiographies about these guys doing drugs, you know, drinking themselves to death. When I was in, like, 10th grade, I was reading freaking Shawn Michaels' autobiography, Triple H's autobiography, absolutely crazy stuff. Um, some big news went down, a big event went down, Survivor Series, one of their big four events of the year. You know, you know the UFC, they sometimes have their big events. WWE has their four big events, the Royal Rumble, um, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. And at Survivor Series, we got two big returns. Randy Orton, you might recognize his name. He invented the RKO. I'm sure a lot of people know what the RKO is. You go up to your buddy, you grab his head, and you slam him to the ground. That's the RKO. He returned this weekend, helped Cody Rhodes get a victory, um, a bunch of other wrestlers too. But um, the big one, the big return, C. M. Punk returns to WWE nine years after a terrible, terrible breaking up. I mean, it was so incredible to hear him come back right when you thought the show was over. His music hits, the cult of personality, the iconic song from the 80s or 90s, whenever it came out. It hit, and just the crowd went nuts. The crowd went nuts. I, I couldn't believe when I saw it. I wasn't really watching it. I was busy at the time, but just seeing it on my phone, I was like, this is insane. I've rewatched the clip many a times. And so happy to see CM Punk bad, of um, back. Of course, he was actually a writer for Marvel for a time. Trying to get into some movies, I've heard. Um, of course, he was in the UFC. Had two professional fights. Made a lot of money. Doing that, he returned to AEW, a, a rival um, wrestling promotion. Left that, unfortunately, earlier this year. But now he's in the WWE Back to where he belongs. And honestly, it makes me want to watch WWE again. It just sucks me right back into my childhood. Incredible that nine years ago he left and nine years ago he's back. And he once said in an interview on the red carpet, he would never go back. So this is just an incredible, incredible thing. Historic. Love to see it. CM Punk, you are uh, you're one of my favorite wrestlers of all freaking time. Let's touch on, um, what should we do next, folks? I got so much fun activities to share with you. Um, let's talk about the college football playoffs. We got some updates to the, uh, professional, um, actually the, the AP top 25, and then they have the college football playoff rankings. So let's do the, let's do the AP top 25. Then we'll look at the college football playoff. Rank. Actually, we don't even need to look at the college football playoff rankings because technically the AP top 25 is the top is like the college it's basically the same but we'll look at the AP top 25 because we actually we have like a tie I've never seen this before but um let's start off at 25 10 and 2 on the year um what's their freaking name SMU was that Southern Mississippi who what why isn't it showing me their freaking the updated thing I gotta I gotta find the good one now I thought I thought I found um this happens every week if I don't save it I find like where they update the AP Top 25 and they give their thoughts on every team. So I think that's what I'm looking for. Last time I tried to open it, my phone crashed. There we go. We found it at number 25 debuting the SMU Mustangs. I don't know. Is that Southern Mississippi? Southern something. QB Preston Stone threw for five, 322 yards and three touchdowns. As the Mustangs scored 52 first half points, beating Navy 59-14. to 14. Wow. 
That's incredible. They'll actually be in the AAC Championship Saturday versus Tulane. Okay, good for them. Getting ranked towards the end of the year. And number 24, the James Madison Dukes. Probably not getting a bowl game. Who knows? But they beat Coastal Carolina 56-14, to 11-1 on the year. Incredible. It's actually their largest win against an FBS opponent since uh, the division split in 1978. Their 42-point win. Good win for the Dukes. They're, of course, banned from the Bulls for some reason. Who knows? At number 23, the Toledo Rockets, 11-1, defeated Central Michigan this past weekend. They stay in at 23, their previous ranking. Penny Boone, their running back, rushed for 186 yards and two scores, giving him eight 100-yard rushing games this year, tied for the most in college football. They'll actually be in the MAC Championship Saturday versus Miami, Ohio. Pretty cool on ESPN. And number 21, actually, we have a tie for 21. I didn't even know you could do that, between Oregon State and... And North Carolina State. How about that? North Carolina State was not ranked. Now they're ranked. They defeated North Carolina by 19 points. Wow. Their star linebacker, Peyton Wilson, finished with 15 tackles, a sack, an interception, and a forced fumble. That's incredible. They'll be in a bowl game, but it's still being decided. And same for Oregon State. They're 8-4. There was a point they were super high up. They got blown up by Oregon, so they dropped six spots from number 15. Um, they you know what? They uh, they actually had terrible, terrible stats from that game. So Oregon, Oregon State Beavers, a hard follow-up. At number 20, still undefeated, 12-0, and 12-0, the Liberty Flames. They were previously ranked 22. They jump up two spots. They ran for 441 yards. Their most since becoming a college football team in 2018. Um, as they completed their first perfect regular season in the team's 50-year history, they defeated UTEP 42-28. to They'll be in the Conference USA Championship Friday versus New Mexico State. Good for them. Good for Liberty. A perfect season. You'll love to see it. I'd I love to see it, personally. At number 19, dropping to, uh, oh, rising two spots after defeating BYU in second overtime. Oklahoma State, 9-3 and three on the year. Ollie Gordon II ran for five touchdowns, tying the school's single-game record with Barry Sanders, who did it three times in 1988. They'll be in the Big 12 Championship versus Texas next Saturday. How about that? Good for Oklahoma State. At number 18, jumping two spots after beating Nebraska 13-10, the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'll be damned. My cousin Ryan's school will actually be uh, probably doing a podcast with him over Christmas, so stay tuned for a special Christmas episode drop. We'll have to see. Stat to know, this was the Hawkeyes' ninth win this season when scoring fewer than 27 points, breaking a tie for the most in a season over the past 40 years. They'll be in one of the biggest matchups of the year in the Big Ten Championship next Saturday at 8 p.m. on Fox against the oh, just the, the, the powerhouse Michigan. Oh my goodness, if Iowa can beat them, Alabama fans will be happy. We'll see, we got a couple big ones next weekend. At number 17, jumping up a spot from last week, 11-1 on the year, Tulane Green Wave. They had defeated UTSA 29-16, and they reached 11 wins for the fourth time in program history as their QB, Michael Pratt, threw for two touchdown passes, running his streak of consecutive games with a touchdown pass to 26 games. He'll be in the AAC Championship against SMU, as we touched on earlier. At number 16, draw, jumping. Jumping up a spot. Notre Dame, that is right, 9-3 and three on the year. Notre Dame, they blew out Stanford 56-23 to 23 this past weekend. Their running back, Audric Estime, ran for 238 yards and four touchdowns, becoming the first Notre Dame player to run for more than 225 yards and had four scores in the game since they became a team. They'll be in a bowl game, but uh, not determined yet. And number 15, dropping six spots from number nine. The Louisville Cardinals, they lost to Kentucky 38-31. to 31. Incredible stuff. 
10 and 2 on the year. They have now lost five straight games to the Wildcats, their longest losing streak in the rivalry since Kentucky won the first seven games. They'll be in the AAC championship, though, against Florida State. They still they're still getting the championship game, but I mean, just tough losing to Kentucky. Jumping up two spots from last week, we got a basketball college in Arizona. The Wildcats, 9-3 on the year. Defeat Arizona State, 59-23. Their QB, Noah Fifta. Fafita threw for a school record 527 yards going along with four touchdowns as the Wildcats scored their most points against the Sun Devils since 1946. Holy cow, that's so many. 527 yards. I, I don't even know what to do with that. They'll be in a bowl game, but it's still being determined. Wow, wow. Jumping up a spot from last week, from 14 to 13, we got the LSU Tigers. That's right. Jaden Daniels, their QB, threw four touchdown passes to become the fifth SEC player to be responsible for 50 touchdowns in a season. The previous four all won the Heisman Trophy. Um, He also finished the game with 16,000 yards of total offense in his career. Only the sixth college football player to eclipse the 16,000 mark. They'll be in a bowl game, but uh, we'll see what the we'll see what they do. They mean the big one over Texas A&M this weekend. They got to get a bowl game, but you love to see it from LSU and Jaden Daniels, future NFL player probably. At number twelve, jumping up a spot from last week, the Oklahoma Sooners, ten and two on the year. They have scored more than sixty-five points three times this season, the most among college football programs. After they obliterated TCU live on TV, sixty-nine to forty-five. Every time I looked at my TV. Oklahoma scoring. I went to the store. I come back. I see an Oklahoma touchdown. Incredible stuff. They'll get a bowl game, just uh, not determined yet. Number eleven, jumping up a spot from last week, ten and two, beat Mississippi State seventeen to seven. The Old Miss Rebels. Quit Sean Judkins record his fifteenth rushing touchdown of the season, becoming the first SEC player with fifteen or more rushing scores in his first two years since Herschel Walker. How about that? Bowl game incoming, not determined. And number 10, also jumping up a spot. Everyone was making little jumps this past weekend. Penn State, they blew out Michigan State. 42 rip was the largest um, shutout of a Big Ten opponent in the AP Bowl era since 1936. 42 rip. Bowl game incoming. Just uh, don't know when or who, but uh, you'll see them in a bowl game. And yet another team jumping up a spot from last week as the Missouri Tigers are now ranked number nine. They blew out Arkansas 48-14. to Their QB, Cody Strader, now has the third most single-season rushing yards in Missouri history with 1,435. I think I meant running back, actually. Um, so, yeah, they'll get a bowl game, but, um, yeah, Cody Strader, running back. My bad. At number eight, same as they were last week, 11-1, defeated Auburn 27-24, one of my favorite games to watch, the Alabama Crimson Tide. That finish was insane. That finish was absolutely insane. What was it? Fourth and fourth and like 20, or it was like fourth and goal, but from like the 20 or 30, no time left, no timeouts, throws a d- j- Jalen Milrow, Jalen Milrow's 31-yard touchdown pass on fourth and goal, gave Nick Saban's squad a fourth straight Iron Bowl win. Hits longest streak since it won nine in a row from 1973 to 1981. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Back in the end zone, hit the wide receiver catches it. Insane Alabama is truly a powerhouse. That they, they, they got some work to do to get into the get into the playoffs. They got to beat Georgia. They got to beat Georgia this Saturday, 4 p.m. CBS. All right, if they if they can beat Georgia, one of the most dominant teams in college football history, they'll get into the playoffs. We'll see. Time will tell. 
Same as they were last week, the Texas Longhorns, 11-1 on the year, blew out Texas Tech 57-7. Longhorns won a conference game by 50 points for the first time since 2007, and now get a chance at their first Big 12 title in 13 years. Longest gap between league titles and school history. They'll play in that Big 12 championship um, against an undecided opponent um, next Saturday. Ooh, interesting. At number six, they were previously ranked number two. Finally, we get a shakeup. Finally, we get a shakeup in the top five. The Ohio State Buckeyes. They lose to Michigan 30-24. to An absolutely amazing game. Despite Marvin Harrison Jr.'s 118 receiving yards and touchdown, Ryan Day fell to 1-3 against Michigan while going 55-4. 55 and 4 against every other team he's ever played. Michigan owns Ohio State under uh, Martin Day. Ryan Day, that is. But, uh, man, tough L for the Ohio State Buckeyes. They might not even make the college football playoffs. Honestly, they need a lot of scenarios to happen. They'll get a bowl game, but it's still being worked out. Absolutely insane. On a side note, Wisconsin beat Minnesota in the Axe game or whatever. So, uh, yeah, sucks to be a Gopher fan at um, Lexi. That's for you. At number five, they were previously ranked number six, the Oregon Ducks. They defeated Oregon State 31-7, moving their record on the year to 11-1. and And the Ducks have scored 30 or more points in every game this season, thanks to another stellar effort from QB Bo Nix. He completed 33 of 40 passes for 367 yards and two touchdowns while rushing for a third score. They'll face Washington in the Pac-12 championship this Friday. Exciting stuff there. Let's get into our top four because it has been shaken up and there's a lot of bowl games coming our way. At number four, they were previously number five, undefeated 12-0, the Florida State Seminoles. They defeated Florida 24-15 and the Seminoles have now won 18 straight games, the second longest winning streak in school history and third longest active college football streak. They'll be in the AAC champion, ACC championship next Saturday against Louisville. A huge one there. That's going to be a big one. If they win that, they'll make the playoffs. If they lose, a lot of stuff could happen. We'll see, though. We'll see. Previously ranked number four, now number three, also undefeated at 12-0, the Washington Huskies. They defeated Washington State 24-21. It was a close one. Washington State would not go away, but... The Huskies got it done. Actually, the Huskies have now won eight straight games by 10 points or fewer. This is the longest streak in the AP poll era. They've just been squeaking out some victories, man. Pac-12 championship against Oregon, though? Oof, going to be a tough one for them. Battle of QBs, I'll tell you that. At number two, they were previously number three, the Michigan Wolverines. Perfect year, 12-0. Defeat Ohio State, as we mentioned, 30-24. And the Wolverines have now won three straight games against the Buckeyes for the first time since 1995. After losing 15 in the previous 16 meetings, Blake Corum ran for two scores to set the single record for single-season rushing yard touchdowns. Alrighty, Big Ten Championship against Iowa, of course, Saturday. Michigan's almost guaranteed to make the playoffs, unless Iowa can pull off an unheard of, unheard of upset. And we'll talk about the number one team. They've been number one, Aussie, all year. All year, nothing's changed. Defeated Georgia Tech 31-23, to 12-0. They're always number one, the Georgia Bulldogs. The Dogs now own the longest winning streak of any SEC team in history at 29 consecutive victories. They'll be in the SEC Championship next Saturday against Bama. That's going to be a big one for both those teams, but I think the dogs can get it done. It should be competitive. It should be competitive, though, but, I mean, I, I won't lie. I, I won't lie. It's it's not going to be a walk in the park for them. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. Alabama stuff, 
Georgia it might be tougher. They honestly might be tougher. Throat's getting a bit raspy. We're going to get a quick drink of water, take a quick little break, and then I'll be back with a little bit of Movie Monday on a Tuesday, if you want to say that. Talk about the last two movies I watched this past weekend. Rank my top ten Christmas songs and wrap everything up with a little look. Actually, not a little look, a full-on recap of Week 12 of the NFL. I'll be right back to you in a second. Alrighty, so Movie movie Monday kind of didn't really go to plan as I didn't record on Monday. It was super busy yesterday, but nonetheless, we're, uh, we're going to be uh, checking out the movies I watched this weekend. I watched two, both with my girlfriend. I picked out one. She picked out one. I personally liked mine better, but honestly, hers, hers was pretty funny. I can't lie. So mine was Couples Retreat. If no one's seen Couples Retreat, I mean, it stars John Favreau. Favreau? John Favreau, I think that's how you say his name. John Favreau, Vince Vaughn. I mean, who where, who who are the other names in this one? Um, Dana Fox. I mean, no, where's the where's the full cast? Because this is a absolutely loaded cast. They got Jason Bateman in this one. Um, gosh, just absolutely amazing, amazing cast. And it was a hilarious movie, a very good comedy. I recommend it. Um, who, who are some of the other names? Um, yeah, Jason Bateman, I said, Face on Love, Kristen Davis, Malin Ackerman, Kristen Bell, another big one, Gene Reno. Uh, but basically, um, film was shot in Bora Bora, but it's basically, they go to this place for a couple's retreat to kind of rekindle their marriage. All things go sideways, super funny, super funny stuff all around. Um, just, just a feel good movie, a typical comedy of that era, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I liked some of the moments. Um, there, there was, um, there was some funny scenes. There was like this yoga scene that had me dying. Um, I recommend that movie to anyone that wants to, uh, check it out. It could say, um, it could say, uh, what should I, what should I rank? What should I rank this movie? I'm trying to think. I should start ranking them on like a scale of one to 10. It gets a seven out of 10. You know, I can't go absolutely crazy with how I, uh, with how I'm ranking them, but, uh, you know, it's a very fairly funny movie. John Favaro, I, I love him as an actor. You know, he's such a good director now, such a good producer. You forget how good of an actor he is. And Vince Vaughn is just such an amazing actor. I mean, he could just play any role and he just sells you on it. Funny humor. I loved it. The Couple's Retreat. I recommend that to anyone. The second movie I watched was The House Bunny. Oh my gosh. This one, this one was a weird one. The, ha- the House Bunny was actually produced by Adam Sandler's Happy Madison Productions and basically stars Anna, Anna uh, Ferris, I believe it is, Anna Ferris, as a Playboy bunny who gets kicked out, um, gets kicked out and goes to live in a sorority house as like their house mother or whatever. I read that. I was like, this is so dumb. My girlfriend's like, we're watching it. And I was like, sure, I, I guess, I guess I'll watch it. And I was pleasantly surprised. I actually laughed at the just terrible humor. I, it was so dumb. Um, Emma Stone was in it. I mean, I can't believe Emma Stone went from this to La La Land. It was that, that, that I find crazy. Colin Hanks was in it. Of course, Tom Hanks' son. He was the love interest of the film. There were some other... There's some other, I mean, Kat Dennings was in it. Um, she's, I mean, who? I don't even know who else was in it. A number of people that I recognize. Catherine McPhee was in it. Um, just a ter- terrible movie. Hugh Hefner was actually in it, which is a pretty, pretty funny. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It was, it was one of those movies where like, you just know it's not good, but it was funny. It was actually a good ride. Um, the, the humor is just so dumb. The humor is so dumb, and I, I, I like dumb type of humor movies. I watched it. It'll get a 6.8 out of 10. 
All right, I actually, that would bump up. Couples Retreat, I thought, was a better movie. But as far as just humor, they were both pretty similar on humor level. Um, I'll, I'll just, I don't know. It, it was it was an all right movie. I mean, nothing really much to touch on. You know, Movie Monday doesn't have to be too in-depth. But, um, yeah, Couples Retreat was better than The House Bunny. But honestly, The House Bunny, a hidden gem. A hidden gem that I didn't even know existed. And I actually found funny. I almost hated that I found it funny because like it was, it was just so dumb. It was so dumb. I did, I did, I did, I just, I couldn't. I'm stuttering because I'm like, what? Why did I watch this movie? Why did I give it any time of day? And guess what? I was oddly glad I did. So we'll stop rambling about random movies as let's get in to my favorite part, of, one of my favorite parts of this episode, which is the top ten Christmas songs. That was right. I was like, you know, it's the holiday season. I gotta rank my top ten Christmas songs. So I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. So these are mine. These are my top ten Christmas songs. Don't let this be like, oh, the official list. Of the top 10 Christmas songs of all time, Zach. You got them all wrong. You don't know anything. Obviously, I'm just going off of what I enjoy, of what I like. So, um, thought to do, I'm going to go through my top 10 list. So, I do have one honorable mention I'll touch on. I have one honorable mention that the only reason I didn't put in is because there's no lyrics, but I just, I, I like this. I guess it's a song. Yeah, you can have songs without lyrics, but um, it's Christmas Saravejo by Trans-Siberian Orchestra. It's like the, you know, that one. And I just, I mess with it so much. It, just, it honestly gets me hype. It honestly, that kind of gets you going. You're kind of like, all right, I'm ready, I'm ready to go shovel some snow. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to go hoop or something, anything. But um, just because of no lyrics, it didn't make my top 10. But it was almost in there. It was almost in there. I love it, though. So we had to give it a shout out. But without a doubt, let's get into it with number 10 with a classic, uh, an oldie. It's the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams, especially by him. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. You not only get to um, hear my uh, top 10 songs, but you get to hear me slowly sing them just to bring you all some joy for this holiday season. Maybe we'll do a giveaway. I don't know. I'm just so blessed this year. But um, yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Andy Williams, a classic. I, I always like it. I always, it's always one of those like, it's like, oh, it's a classic. I don't know if I want to give it that time of day. But no, it's that good. It's worth it. And we got to throw it in the list. You know, it truly is the most wonderful time of the year already. Let's, let's move into number nine with another classic. Santa Claus is coming to town. But my favorite version, my favorite version of Santa Claus is coming to town is by Bruce Springsteen. That's right. Right, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, the American man. Oh, it's a good one. We like gets it going, like talking about like all stuff. Then he's like, "Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry." You know, it's a, he gets into it, man. I know there's a lot of versions. The Jackson Five, that's another good one. But um, the Bruce Springsteen one in particular is what I really appreciate and enjoy hearing. So, um, Santa Claus is coming to town by Bruce Springsteen at number nine. Heading into number eight, it's it's not it's it's interesting. I don't know if it's really a Christmas song, but it's a holiday season song. It's Hallelujah. You know, I heard there was a secret call that David played. And you know, I only hear it 
during this time of year. But um, I actually heard one by Charlie the Day, which is this artist I just discovered, which is pretty good. But my favorite ren- rendition of it is actually by Pentatonix, the acapella group. Surprisingly, you know, not only a big acapella guy, I love the Pitch Perfect movies, but um, I really like their version of it. I can just feel the passion of it, the pain, the suffering, the love. It's so good when you can translate that and translate that into song. So um, that's up there at number uh, eight for me. I really enjoy it. It's just one of those songs you hear it late at night. You're just like, I got to let it play out, man. I got to sing my heart out alone in the car. Hallelujah. At number eight. At number seven, um, I have Santa Claus is Back in Town by Elvis. All right, Elvis, a bunch of bangers. Blue Christmas, one of them. Uh, he, has, he has some others. Oh, my gosh. Santa Elvis has a good amount of them. Elvis, man, one of the one of the greats. Oh my gosh, I love Elvis so much. But Santa Claus is coming back in town. He just gets you going. Where he's just like, it is Christmas time, little baby, and the snow is coming down. Santa Claus is back in town. You know, it's it's super good. I really like that version of it. The the pace of it, the beat. I'm a big Elvis guy. You know, I like a lot of Elvis's songs. Um, satisfaction, oh, a little less conversation, a little more action. You know, the conversation on that one's good. I mean, Elvis, so many bangers. Um, yeah, I just had to throw some Elvis song in here and listening to them all. You know, Blue Christmas, obviously a classic, but I just liked Santa Claus is back in town just so much. And Santa Claus is almost back in town. We got like 24 days till Christmas. Actually, pretty incredible. I wish I would have done this yesterday because it would have been 25 days on the 25th of Christmas. It's, it's incredible. Loving it, loving it. At number six, this one's a this one holds a special place in my heart. Feliz Navidad, Jose Feliciano. I mean, this this song, I just I just know all the lyrics. I don't even have to try. I wanna wish you a merry Christmas. Wait, is that is that the is that the one I'm thinking of? Feliz Navidad. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I had the singing for six. So I was like, from the bottom of my heart. So it's one of those songs that switches back between Spanish and English, and you're kind of just like, oh, but it's good enough where like both both people who speak those languages can sing it. So, very much love that song. And actually, in kindergarten, they took a video of me just saying Feliz um, Navidad, and they put it. And so, like kindergarten, you know, I I don't know anything. They're like. Oh, little cute Zachary. He's so adorable. This little boy. Let's have him say this. And then in fourth grade, they did an end of the year video. And that's how, no, they did. It was either an end of the year or like an end of Christmas. I think it was an end of like Christmas right before winter break. I think that's what it was right before winter break. They did a video and to end it, they showed me saying that. And I was like, was that me? Was that me? And everyone was laughing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the man. Yeah. Look at me. 10 year old Zach. But um, yeah, Feliz Navidad, a classic. I actually kind of want to listen to that on my way to the gym tomorrow, or even back from the gym. It's just, it can get you going no matter what you do. But Feliz Navidad at number six for me. Let's get into my top five. It was, it was, you know, honestly, this list wasn't too tough to put together. Just I kind of weighed what song I like more than the other, but um, a lot of good ones. Number five, Step Into Christmas by Elton John. You know, the step into Christmas, we'll come together, something, something. I mean, just so good, Elton John. I like Elton John. You know, I'm honestly, you either like him or you hate him. I like Elton John, man. I like some of his songs. And Step Into Christmas, it gets me going. Especially when he goes into, welcome to my Christmas song. You know, you're just you're just getting into it. Step Into Christmas, an underrated one. Flies under the radar a bit from you. But um, had to throw it in here. Especially at number five. Oh, I really like it. At number four, fairly new. Fairly new. It's rare you get a new one in here. But at number four, Underneath the Tree. By Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson, so many bangers, but underneath the tree, 
Just I just I was actually talking to my buddy Tyler not too long ago on the on the mic about it, and he was just like, "Yeah, that's such a good song, one of my favorites." I'm like, "Yeah, it's one of my favorites." You know, you're all I need underneath the tree, way here, Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's such a good one, underneath the tree. And you know, I say fairly new because a lot of these are older ones. A lot of these older ones, early 2000s, the 90s. We're going back into the 80s for some of these, and some of these were written back in like the 40s, 50s, 60s. This one written fairly newer. Kelly Clarkson delivering a banger with this one. Let's get into my top three, man. Let's do it. Number three, This Christmas by Donny Hathaway. Every time they'll be, it's like, oh my gosh, just gets me going. And this Christmas will be a very special Christmas. And I'm always just like, Donnie, sing it to me, man. Sing it to me, Donnie. And Donnie always delivers. This Christmas at number three, another one of my favorites. I just, I can't, and it surprises me how much I enjoy it. And I'm, every time it comes on, I'm always here for Donnie Hathaway. You outdid yourself with this Christmas. And this Christmas is going to be a good Christmas. I can already feel. There's just something in the air. You know, there's just something in the air lately. Good vibes. We're going to keep keep the vibes high. My number two Christmas song of all time. You know, it's probably a lot of people's number two, but honestly, it's just that good. Last Christmas by Wham. I know a lot of people have tried to do, out, outdo Wham, but no one can outdo it. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, but the very next day, you gave it away. I mean, it's just, you just can't, can't get enough of it. It's so good. And I do this challenge now. You know, despite loving the song, I do this challenge now. I started it like four, three years ago, where I see how many days of December I can go without listening to it. Harder than you think. You just can't hear it anywhere. You can't hear it on TikTok, the radio, the store, a video your grandmother sends you. You can't hear it walking down a hall. You, a passing car plays it. You can't hear it. Last year, I only made it three days. But my previous year, 2021, I made it 11 days without hearing last Christmas. It was very tough. It was very tough. I was trying to think what I did over that winter break. I don't think I did much. I think I just sat at home or something. That was probably how I was able to avoid hearing it. But um, it's fun. It's an amazing song. Wham. Love Wham. They got some bangers. They got some heat. Got some heat last Christmas. is so good. Once I hear it, though, for the first time, then we let it flow, and I listen to it just about every day. Last Christmas by Wham, my number two Christmas song of all time, which brings me to my number one. And, you know, I want to stray. I want to stray from everyone else, but it really is a number one. There really is a number one, and Mariah Carey just outdid herself with this one. All I want for Christmas is you. Everyone knows it. Also, you can listen to this song any time of the year, and it still hits. It's still a banger. I just, I just cannot believe it. It's just so good. And I'm looking at all the other Christmas songs up there, you know, all the potential ones, and just nothing comes close. Nothing comes close. This song is that good. It's, it's, it has the tune. It just carries it, and it gets you going. It gets you going with, all I want for Christmas is you, baby. You know, picks it up, keeps you going steady. And then just when you think it might drop off at the end, nope, it skyrockets you to the top. And you're just like, wow, this song is perfection. The best Christmas song of all time, all I want for Christmas is you, specifically done by Mariah Carey. No one will outdo it. No one will ever outdo it. And I don't know when we're going to hear a better Christmas song than it. We'll have to see. We'll have to see because that one, I'd say it's not, it's not really fairly new. But like in the last 20 years, it's came out. So, I mean, we'll have to see within the next 20 years from today. Maybe by 2043, we'll have a new banger Christmas song. But um, 
as for um, as for that, that's my list. Uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see what you guys think. So let me know. Let me know. Just shoot me shoot me any form of message. What your favorite Christmas song is of all time, or even your top ten? Because there was a lot of them. A lot of them I had to sort through. But um, these were the ten I landed on. Ten of my favorites, and of course the Christmas Saravejo. Cannot forget the Christmas Saravejo. Uh, lyrical, not lyrical. Was it a musical? A musical banger? I don't know. However you want to phrase it. That's what it is. But yeah, Christmas time right around the corner. It's been fun. It's been real. I'm I'm in the gift-giving mood, you know, for not being financially off very well. I mean, I'm not terrible. I'm not necessarily rich. Um, in the gift-giving mood, I'm I'm just happy to be giving out gifts. I'll tell you what gift I didn't get. That was a victory in my picks league. I lost it to I lost to my dad and I lost to my boy Tyler. So I had to pay him five bucks. And I'm just I'm up in the I'm up in that pool with my buddies Dane and Tyler in like our little three man league. But in my freaking family league, my dad is cooking 120 correct picks on the year. He got 16 correct. Now we did do double points for Thanksgiving games, so he got only um the Lions and Packers game wrong. But other than that, he only got the Saints game wrong. So. 14 out of 16, correct overall. Amazing stuff from Mark Ruger. Just amazing stuff to see, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, segueing our way over to end off, to cap off this fun little episode, we have our NFL Week 12 recap. But, honestly, before we get into that, let me just say, we reached 1,000 downloads Sunday of the Surprise Jeb Podcast. A round of applause. A round of applause. I got to get a soundboard. I got to play the, round, the the applause sound right now, guys. I am so blessed, so thankful. When I started this in July, I didn't think anyone was going to listen. You know, I kind of thought, maybe some people will. But to just know that what has this been now? This has been almost five months? Oh, four months. Within four months. Wait, July, August, September, October. Five months. Five months. <laughs> Clearly terrible at math. I'm in college. What are they? Why do I pay for these classes? I can't do basic math. In five months, I've gotten a thousand downloads. That's incredible for me. For someone, not a huge platform, just doing this off of my in my bedroom in my basement. I mean, so fun. Thank you guys so much for all the support. I love it. Thank you all very much. The one thousand download special should should have celebrated. Should have celebrated. But yes, now we will uh, take a quick break. We'll be back with the week twelve of the NFL recap. Ready. I've been jonesing. I've been jonesing all day to talk about all the matchups from this past weekend, just to get caught up, kind of, because, you know, with with this podcast, I kind of associate it with um, recapping events, recapping the NFL, so I felt behind not recording an, um, a podcast last weekend on Thursday or this past Monday and just have just all this information pileup of sorts, but here we are. We had 16 games, so we don't get a break, but we do have a chill week next week. I don't think we have hardly as many games, but um, yeah, let's kick it off with our Thanksgiving games. We started off our week 12 with the Packers and the Lions, and by some some way, some way, guys, I, I don't even know how. I don't know how this happened. I, I'm genuinely confused how the freaking Packers beat the Lions. I, I, I still can't place it. I still can't place it. I don't know how they did it. Packers beat the Lions 29-22. to Big fantasy performances from Jordan Love, 26.62 points. Christian Watson, 20.4. Jalen Reed, 15.0. Um, Astro Lions, Monroe St. Brown, 18.5. Jared Goff, 18.18. And Sam Laporta, 17.7. Speaking of fantasy football, my first week where I went 4-0 in all my leagues. 
Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I could not believe it. We're, we're looking good, boys. We're looking good. We're trying to make the playoffs in all four leagues. We'll see, though. We'll see, though. In one league, I'm going to make it. Two, Actually, two leagues, I'm going to make it. Other two are pretty close. One of them, I'm feeling pretty confident. Other one, 50-50. I'm like six and six in two leagues. So, I mean, pretty interesting stuff. But uh, back to the recap. Um... Yeah, just a just a just a tough one for to be a Lions fan. I mean, losing twenty nine to twenty two, and I mean the first quarter, first quarter just insane. Twenty one to seven, twenty one to seven. I I didn't want to hit me. Jalen Reed catches a touchdown pass from Jordan Love. Then Sam Laporta answered, but then freaking Jordan Love answers, and then Jonathan Owens gets a twenty seven yard fumble return. You know who Jonathan Owens is? Simone Biles' husband, fiance, whatever. I. I was absolutely shocked, and you know, as a Vikings fan, I don't like either of them, but I don't like the, I don't like the Packers even more. Third quarter, David Montgomery tied it up, but then Jordan Love touched on past Christian Watson with 41 seconds left. Lions brought it 22 to 29. Onside kick didn't succeed. That was the game. That'll do it. That that was all she wrote. Um, Jordan Love had an amazing day for the Packers. I will say, 268 yards, three touchdowns, rush for 39 yards. Doing his thing. A.J. Dillon, 43 yards on the day on 14 rushes. I guess if you want to point that out. But um, Christian Watson, five catches, 94 yards of touchdown. Incredible. Um, uh, Jalen Reed, four catches, 34 yards and touchdown. And the tight end, Kraft. Kraft, two catches, 15 yards for a touchdown. Good stuff for the Packers, man. Good for you. You know, here's the thing about the Lions. They didn't even play that bad. Jared Goff, you know, 332 yards, two touchdowns. There were some fumbles for the Lions. Dave Montgomery, 71 yards, a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, 54 yards rushing. Monroe St. Brown, nine catches, 95 yards. So one of the top wide receivers in the league. Um, Raymond, five catches, 90 yards. Laporta, five catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown. Jameson Williams, two catches, 51 yards. And Josh Reynolds caught the uh, other uh, touchdown pass for the team. But, um, yes, falling short is the Lions, and it's it was it's, it's tough. It's tough losing a divisional matchup like that. And me as a Vikings fan, I felt that. It was a weird week in the NFL for sure. Lions are now 8-3. and three. Packers 5-6 and six on two-game win streak. They're creeping up there. we got to be careful. They might sneak in and steal a playoff spot from us. I don't know, but um, good win for the Packers. On a little heater right now, they're plus 7-point differential. Lions still boasting an impressive plus 36, almost at 300 points for did take a doozy this week, but, um, you know, I, I did not think that they were going to uh, get it done, um, the Packers, and they did, and they did, so good stuff for them. As for next week, you know, though both teams will be back. Lions will be visiting the Saints. Good game there. Should be able to get done. Packers meet the Chiefs, or host the Chiefs, I should say, on Sunday night football. Should be interesting, but, um, yeah, good one for the Packers. I'll give it to you. Just this once. Just this once. Never again. Never again. And I'm never picking them. I don't pick the Packers, man. We rock with the, we rock with them when they're playing. Our 3:30 game on Thanksgiving. You know, it's for such an impressive performance from the Cowboys. I mean, it's just I want competitive games. This was not a competitive game. Cowboys blow out the Commanders, 45 to 10. 45 to 10. Are you freaking kidding me? I was about to cuss there. I was about to drop the hard f bomb. I mean, my goodness, 45 to 10. All right, um, Curtis Samuel, 19 fancy points for the Commanders. Sam Howell, 17.3. Uh, John Dotson, 10.2 for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, 32.24. Absolutely balling. Tony Pollard, 22.3. And CeeDee Lamb, 17.3. Good stuff all around for them. 
Um, I mean, we we the first quarter. I mean, just uh, just from the get go, just from the get go, you could tell there was blood in the water. I mean, by halftime, I mean, ten. To, what was it like? Fourteen? I think it was twenty-one to ten or something. I think it was it was twenty-one to ten after the first uh, heading into halftime. No scoring in the third. Fourth quarter hits. Brandon Aubrey gets a fifty-two-yard field goal. Then CeeDee Lamb catches a touchdown pass. Then Cavante Turpin catches a touchdown pass. And then Deron Bland, 63-yard pick six, now has the most pick sixes in a season. Five pick sixes. Incredible. Deron Bland, the brand, what was it? Deron Bland. I don't want to get it wrong. The only reason he's playing is because Trayvon Diggs is out. Absolutely balling. Absolutely performing to his highest capable standards. I mean, this Cowboy defense is going to go down as history. It's one of the best defenses of all time. Just, just immaculate stuff from this Cowboys defense. Um, I will say, you know, the commanders will touch on their offense. I mean, Sam Howell, 300 yards and a pick. Not very pretty. Did rush for 13 yards and a touchdown, though. But, um, you know, just your passing leader. He's your passing leader. But he's kind of like when Jameis Winston threw for like 5,000 yards. You know, he, he had 30 touchdowns. or He had like 50 touchdowns or something. He also had 15 picks. So pretty pretty icky stuff there. Or was it? He threw for 50 touchdowns and 30 picks. I can't remember that season. But Sam Howell, not the, not the highest stuff today. Um, Brian Robinson Jr., 53 yards rushing. Uh, Chris Samuel, 9 catches, 100 yards. John Dotson, 5 catches, 52 yards. Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, four catches, 50 yards. Everyone else got a couple passes, but just didn't do enough. Did not do enough. The Cowboys, though, Dak Prescott, 331 yards and four touchdown passes. Tony Pollard rushes for 79 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks, 72 yards um, on four catches for a touchdown. Um, C.D. Lamb, four catches, 53 yards and a touchdown. Um, Turpin, one catch. For a touchdown, Dowell Dole, one catch for a touchdown. Jake Ferguson, one catch, 35 yards. Yeah, everyone was, everyone was catching passes for this team. Nothing to really touch on overall. But, um, yeah, we'll get into our night game for Thanksgiving as the 49ers handle the Seahawks 31-13. to Just another dominant show, and even more dominant, honestly, than the last one. Chris McCaffrey, 30.9 fantasy points. Coming in clutch for me in fantasy, but also hurt me in fantasy. But I won in all leagues, so I won't really say I was hurt too bad. Debo, 22.4 points. The San Francisco defense drops 15 points. How about that? As for the Seahawks, Zach Charbonnet, the leading fantasy performer, went 9.8. Jason Myers got 8 fantasy points. Geno Smith, only 7.3. Atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. I'm actually realizing I didn't even touch on um, the Cowboys and the Commanders for their standings. Cowboys are 8-3, and three, the best fifth seed. Definitely going to get the fifth seed for the NFC. I mean, this offense has put up 347, only given up 185. They're nearing plus 200 point differential. That's insane. Three-game win streak. They are looking just incredibly dominant. I've been loving what I'm seeing from the Cowboys. And they take on the Seahawks on Thursday Night Football, so... Back to it, man. Cowboys probably going to get another dub there. As with the Commanders, they take on the Dolphins next week, which is not good news as this is the worst defense in the league. They've given up 350 points. 350 points. Absolutely terrible. They have put up 246, which is not the best still, but I mean, I mean what, do you want? what do you want from me? Commanders suck. Back to the uh, 49ers and Seahawks game, though. I will, uh, we'll wrap that one up. To, uh, but, I mean, just we'll just wrap it up because there's not much to say. There's not much to say. I mean, first quarter, I mean, it's, what, 7-3 for the 49ers. Then the 49ers went on to put up 24 of their 31 points by halftime. 
Third quarter, though, it got close. It got somewhat close, you know. Um, Jordan Brooks got a pick six. Jason Myers hit a field goal. And just like that, I mean, what was it, 16? No, it was 13. It was 13 to um, 20. 24? It was 13 to 24 with some potential, and then Brandon Ayuk caught a touchdown pass. Okay, I was trying, I was trying to figure out what what exactly went went wrong or went right for them, but um, I think we I think we got it, got it all down. 49ers handle the Seahawks. I mean, um, Brock Purdy, 209 yards, touching on a pick. Not the sexiest game, but I'll tell you who did have a sexy game. Christian McCaffrey, 19 rushes, 114 yards and two touchdowns, five catches, 25 yards. He was balling. He was balling. Debo Samuel rushed for four, um, rushed four times for 15 yards and a touchdown. All right, and uh, caught seven catches for 79 yards. Brandon Ayuk, two catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. How about that? George Kittle, only three catches for 19 yards. Tough to be a George Kittle owner. Seahawks man, Gino, only 180 yards and a pick. Nothing. Zach Charbonnet, 47 yards rushing. Gino rushed for 21. Nothing was going for him. DK Metcalf, three catches, 32 yards. T. Lockett caught three catches for 30 yards. I mean, Smith and Jigba, two catches, 41 yards. Just no one was able to get it going. Zach Charbonnet, four catches, led the team. Only 11 yards out of that, though. So tough luck for them, man. Just not a good look. Seahawks are now 6-5 and five on a two-game losing streak, minus 20-point differential. They'll uh, they'll keep their um wings open or whatever as they take on the Cowboys. But uh, I'd be scared of that Cowboys defense if I was them. It's, it's looking ugly. As for the 49ers, I mean, plus 140 point differential. All right, absolutely incredible. 310 points put up, only 170 given up. They're now 8-3, and three, two games ahead in the NFC West. Three-game winning streak. I mean, this team is looking, looking mighty fine. That little three-game stretch, not hurting them at all. They'll take on the Eagles, though, next week. So, um, yeah, this offense better get locked in. Brock Purdy, you got to lock in if you're facing this Eagles defense. They don't play around um not much to say man not much to say these two teams will meet later on in the season but as for now the 49ers remain supreme we had another another the divisional matchups this was divisional matchup week for goodness sake um as the dolphins took on the jets the dolphins took on the jets and the dolphins won 34 to 13 just a blowout blowout blow the closest game was the packers and the Lions. that was the closest game of the week Terry Kill, 25 fantasy points. Miami defense, 23 fantasy points. That was an unexpected blessing for me on thanks, uh, um, after Thanksgiving. And Raheem Mostert, 21.4 points. Incredible stuff. Garrett Wilson trying his best with 17 fantasy points. The Jets defense put up 12 fantasy points. And Brees Hall, 11.9 fantasy points. Good, good, not that good. I mean, it was a pretty pitiful performance for the Jets. Um... First quarter, 3-0, you know, Jason Sanders kicked a field goal, and you're like, okay, it's not too bad. Tyreek Hill catches a touchdown pass. All right, but then guess what? Guess what? The Jets' D gets a pick six, all right? What happens after that? The Jets get a pick six. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was it was 17-3 to heading into halftime. Um, then it was 20-3, Jason Sanders doing an excellent job. Fourth quarter, though, Raheem Mostert punches in two touchdowns, just got out of control. Jets' D couldn't do anything. Dolphins took over. Tua, 243 yards, a touchdown, two picks, though. That's Jets' defense is very good. They just, you know, when when your offense— Here's what I'll say about the Jets. I'll say it over and over again. When you have a great defense, their stats can often become um, mislooked at due to the fact how often they're on the field. Okay, this Jets' offense just keeps giving them the ball. 
Raheem, though, an absolute stud, 94 yards rushing for two touchdowns. Jeff Wilson Jr., 56 yards rushing. He was getting in some touches. Only four Jets, I mean, only four Dolphins caught passes. Terry Kill, nine catches, 102 yards a touchdown. Jalen Waddell, eight catches, 114 yards. Jeff Wilson, three catches, 17 yards. Smithy, what's his name? Dan, Donnie, Smith, whatever, tight end, one catch, 10 yards. I mean, just Terry Kill's a stud MVP race, if you ask me. Tim Boyle, okay, 179 yards, touchdown and two picks. Did just about the same as Zach Wilson, was taking some more risks. Brees Hall only rushed 25 yards. They only ran 10 rushing plays the whole game, so nothing was going on. Garrett Wilson, though, seven catches, 44 yards, and touchdown. It's looking good. Conklin, four catches, 33 yards. Brees Hall, though, seven catches for 24 yards. A lot of dump-offs, a lot of dump-offs there. Um, wow. Wow, it sucks to be a Jets fan. I won't, I won't sugarcoat it. It sucks to be a Jets fan. Four and seven, four-game losing streak. You're nearing negative 100-point differential. I won't lie. You're nearing negative 100-point differential. They have 163 points for, 238 points against. So it's a terrible offense. It's just, just nothing good to tell you. Just nothing good to tell you if you're a Jets fan. Let me let me just put it plainly. The Jets suck. All right. They'll play the Falcons, though. Somewhat winnable game, but I'm picking the Falcons to win that one. We'll, we'll do my full predictions come Thursday, but as for now, definitely riding with the Falcons. Uh, Master Dolphins, 8-3. and three. 339 points for this is easily the best offense in the league. It's incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. 251 points given up, though. Kind of tough. Kind of kind of not the best look. They are dumb. They're either two or three games ahead of the Bills, though, which is good for them. Two-game win streak. This Dolphins team is looking studious. They take on the Commanders next week, and that's your number one offense, your number 32 defense. It should be a bloodbath for the Dolphins. A good thing. The Dolphins will be swimming in blood, not covered in blood. There's a difference. All right, let's move into Sunday. You know, Thanksgiving came to an end. Black Friday came to an end. And we moved into yet another divisional matchup as the Steelers took on the Browns. An interesting matchup here for them as the Steelers come out on top 16-10. to 10. How about that? Pat Fryermuth returning 21 fantasy points for him. 21 fantasy points for the Steelers. Najee dropped 15.9. And Kenny Pickett had 11.62. Jamar Chase, 12.1. Jake Browning, John Browning, whatever the Bengals' backup QB's name is, 11.98. And D-Sample, 8.1. This was a snooze fest, an absolute snooze fest from these two teams. No scoring in the first, a field goal in the second, and a touchdown for the Bengals in the second quarter, the only touchdown they would score for the game. Third quarter, Najee punches in a touchdown, the only touchdown from the game. We get three field goals from both teams combined, um, two, for, two from the Steelers, one from the Bengals, and that was that. That was the game, just, the, just sleeping. I was sleeping through that game. Kenny Pickett, though, 270 yards throwing, no turnovers, not too bad. Najee Harris, 99 yards and a touchdown. Warren only rushed for 49 yards despite having the same amount of carries as Harris. Pat Farmer, though, nine catches, 120 yards, excellent stuff. George Pickens, three catches, 58 yards. Deontay Johnson, four catches, 50 yards. All trying their best to help out the team, and it worked. Steelers get a win. As for the Bengals, um, you know, what was it, Jake Browning, whatever, 227 yards, touchdown on the pick, only ran 11 rushing plays, Joe Mixon rushed for 16 yards, Browning rushed for 9, oof, Jamar, 4 catches, 81 yards, Joe Mixon, 2 catches, 44 yards, T. Boyd, 3 catches, 23 yards, yeah, nothing, nothing really say, Bengals got locked down as expected, Steelers gonna win, they're now second in the AFC North, 7-4, and four. 
despite having a negative 23-point differential. That is very fascinating now that I'm looking at it there. It's very fascinating. But you're looking right now. The Steelers are your number five seed in the playoffs right now. They're number five seed in the playoffs. And good stuff for the Steelers. Um, as for the Bengals, five and six, you now have a minus 30 point differential, three game losing streak. It's over. Your season's over, Bengals. You know, I'll, I'll say, as a Vikings fan, I, I get to look at you and say, okay, you're five and six. You have your backup QB in. All right. You don't have Joe Burrow. You're, you're just not going to do it. All right. And it's weird to think that this team has been passed now by the Colts, the Texans, probably going to be the Raiders soon, and definitely the Broncos. This Bengals team has fallen apart, and it's just sad, sad to see. Honestly, I could care less. If I'm being honest, I could care less. Next weekend, the Bengals will be taking on the Jaguars on Monday Night Football. That's At least they get to rest. You have to find some benefits for them. They get to rest. As for the Steelers, right back to work. Against the Cardinals, another winnable game. The Steelers team, man. Despite having a terrible offense, this defense carrying the team, doing the best they can. Um, yeah, interesting to see what will happen next week. Jaguars and Texans was the next game that went on, and let me just tell you, this was this was a heater. This was a close one. Jaguars win twenty four to twenty one. Trevor Lawrence twenty four point five six fantasy points, doing good. Calvin Ridley twenty one point nine, loving it. Brandon McManus the kicker thirteen fantasy points. How about that? C.J. Stroud, though, I mean, 30 fantasy points. Nico Collins, 23.4. Tank Dell, 17.2. Incredible, incredible stuff fantasy-wise from this game. You, you love to, you'd love to see it. Actually, Devin Singletary was doing pretty good, too. First quarter, I mean, Brandon kicking a 40-yard field goal. Trevor Lawrence then punched in a tutty in the second quarter. Tank Dell caught a touchdown pass. And Brandon McManus made it 13-3. to Heading into the third quarter when C.J. Stroud ran in a touchdown, making it 13-10. Calvin Ridley catches a touchdown. It was uh, 21-10. Um, actually, was it? It was 21-14, doing my math correctly. I don't even know what happened. Oh, there was a two-point conversion. That's what happened. Fourth quarter, looms field goal from the Jaguars. Give them a 24-14 lead. Nico Collins catches a 17-yard pass from C.J. Stroud, but the Jaguars' defense comes up big in the end to make the final stand. Trevor Lawrence, 364 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Doing his work. Travis Etienne, though, on 20 rushes, only 56 yards. He was held in check. T-Law punched in a running touchdown as well. Receiving-wise, Calvin Ridley, five catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown was looking beautiful. Evan Ingram, five catches, 49 yards. Not too bad. Christian Kirk, four catches, 89 yards. Yeah, but typical stuff. Not much to say. Travis Etienne, four catches, 30 yards. It's Jaguars team getting it done. As for the Texans, I mean, C.J. Stroud is stealing rookie of the year. He's just stealing it out of thin air. 304 yards, two touchdowns, ran for 47 yards and a touchdown. He's incredible. He's incredible. Devin Singletary, um, 54 yards on six catches, and he rushed for 18 yards. Valuable weapon. Nico Collins, seven catches, 104 yards and a touchdown. Tank Dell, five catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. Robert Woods, two catches for 40 yards, man. You know, this Texans team, despite being coming off a loss, you know, they're plus 27 point differential, six and five, third in the FC South. They're finding their groove, this young blood of team. Uh, young blood of a team is finding themselves. I'm really, I'm really liking it. I'm really liking it. As for the Jags, eight and three. They're, uh, they're honestly, they're technically the second best team in the. Oh, I don't know. I think the Chiefs are actually better than them. Actually, the Dolphins might be better too. But guess what? Jaguars top of the AFC South, tied for second in the AFC in general. I mean, they're they're doing their thing. Plus what? Nineteen plus. 
plus 29 point differential. You know, the Jaguars are doing what they can with what they can. Um, next weekend, they take on the Bengals on Monday Night Football, as we touched on. A very winnable game for them. And the Texans take on the Broncos. Ooh, that's right. Okay, as we said that, I'm literally going to my fantasy lineup right now. Okay, ooh, this is a tough spot for me, boys, because I can either play C.J. Stroud or Trevor Lawrence. Or no, 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 no. Trevor Lawrence is locked in. What was my option? Oh, it's Justin Herbert. Or C.J. Stroud. I might put in C.J. Stroud, man. I mean, he's just been playing like a dog lately. Herbert had a rough game. I'm going to change that right now. We'll see if I regret that as we uh, move on to the Colts and the Buccaneers new game. Um, Colts won 27-20. How about that? The Buccaneers lose another close one, and the Colts now find themselves in a good position. How about that? Colts are now 6-5 and five with a plus-one point differential, second in the AFC South on a three-game winning streak. Following this loss, though, the Buccaneers, the falloff has been hard and fast as they have lost two straight, four and seven overall, minus 15-point differential. Buck season's probably over. Mike Evans, though, putting up 25 fantasy points. Baker Mayfield, 13.36. And Rashad White, 13. Jonathan Taylor, 21 fantasy points. Michael Pittman, 20. And Gardner Minshew, 14.64. How about that? Um, big four, big first quarter, 10-3 as Jonathan Taylor um, gives them the lead in the uh, first quarter. Then second quarter, both teams score a touchdown, and you know, heading into the, heading into halftime, you know, it was looking pretty good, seventeen to ten. It was close. It was close. Makes it twenty ten with a Matt Gay field goal in the third. But then Mike Evans touchdown complicated things. It was seventeen to twenty, and then the uh, Jonathan Taylor bunchin gave them the. Uh, Gave them the lead, 27-17, to 17, Chase McLeod. I have no idea how to do math, clearly, but uh, yeah, the uh, the Colts get it done. Good, good win for them. Baker, 198 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Yeah, average day, Shad White, 100 yards rushing. Mike Evans, six catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns, an absolute stud. Godwin, three catches, 45 yards. Not much going on for the Bucks. This Bucks team is awesome. Honestly, they shouldn't be as bad. I, th- I feel like mm, maybe they should be as bad as they are. I don't know. Gardner Minshew, 251 yards in interception. Typical backup QB. Jonathan Taylor, 91 yards and two touchdowns was a stud. Actually, Minshew rushed for a touchdown, too. How about that? Pittman, though, 10 catches for 107 yards. Josh Downs even grabbed five catches for 43 yards. Pretty decent team. Colts team getting it done week in, week out. Colts will play the Titans. Another winnable game for them. As for the Buccaneers, they'll play the Panthers. Wow. Winnable games next week for both of these teams. We'll see if they can capitalize. Divisional matchup. All right. It's happening next up as we had the Falcons take on the Saints. Falcons win 24 to 15. How about that? How about that? The Falcons freaking win. I can't believe it. Chris Olave, 18.4 fancy points. The kicker drop, 18 fancy points. Kamara, 15.9. Bijan, a nasty 27.3 fancy points. Drake London's 14.1 and Desmond Ritter, 9.72. Yeah, nothing much to uh, nothing much to say. It was a close, close battle. You know, it was 21 to 15 with under two minutes left. Young Huku nailed the field goal to seal the game for the Falcons. Derek Carr, 304 yards and an interception. Alvin Kamara rushed for 69 yards. Um, Chris Olave caught seven catches for 114 yards. No touchdowns from this team. Taysom Hill had two catches for 55 yards. Actually rushed seven times for 26 yards. He's a very valuable asset. Yeah, the Saints team, not good, actually. Very surprising. Desmond Ritter, 168 yards, a touchdown, two picks. 
Not a not really a good day. This defense is what really came up big. Bijan Robinson, 91 yards and a touchdown, and three catches for 32 yards and a touchdown. Bijan went nasty. Drake London rushed for uh, or no, Drake London caught five catches for 91 yards. It was Ty Allegier who rushed 10 times for 64 yards. A good win for the Falcons. They're now atop of the NFC South. Both of them, the Saints, are five and six. Yeah, they're just not good teams. The NFC South is actually atrocious at the moment. It's actually wide open. The Bucks could still find their way to win it. As for now, Falcons are on, Falcons are on top. Falcons are on top. Falcons will take on the Jets next week. Winnable game for them, and the Saints will take on the Lions. Definitely run with the Lions in that matchup. Um, what I thought was worst game of the week, but turned out to not be the worst game of the week. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But the Giants beat the Patriots 10-7. to Mondre Stevenson, 21.7 fantasy points. New England defense, 13 fantasy points. And Demario Douglas, 10.9. Jay Hyatt gets 15.9. Giants defense, 13. And Tommy DeVito, 10.24 in this close, close game. Uh, touchdown in the second quarter was the only touchdown the Giants would score. And in the third quarter, Mondre Stevenson punched a touchdown. All tied up, but with uh, just about eight minutes left in the fourth, Randy Bullock got a field goal, and that was all that happened the rest of the freaking game. I think a kicker missed. I think the Patriots kicker missed to uh, tie the game or something, if I'm, if I'm recalling it correctly. But, man, don't blink now. Giants, two-game win streak, 4-8, third in the NFC East, uh, 159 points for 290 points against. Yeah, this team sucks. This team sucks. There's no sugarcoating it. You know, you, you can't even sugarcoat it. It's just a bad team. They're just a bad team. But you know what? Eh, they, they got fan base. Who cares? As for the Patriots, four-game losing streak, 2-9. and nine, Have only scored 148 points this year. This is the worst team. They're under, I think they'd lose to the Panthers, if I'm being honest. This Patriots team is really bad. Mac Jones, 89 yards, two picks. Gets benched. Bailey Zappi, 54 yards, a pick. Holy cow, that's terrible. Andre Stevenson, the only good part about this team, 98 yards, a touchdown. Tamaro Douglas, six catches, 49 yards. Uh, that's it. That's it. Andre Stevenson had five catches for nine yards. There's nothing to say. Tommy DeVito, 191 yards, a touchdown, making the Mafia proud. Saquon rushed for 46 yards. Hyatt, five catches, 109 yards. It was actually Isaiah Hodgins who caught the lone touchdown on his only catch. Nothing to say. Literally nothing to say. We're actually going to move on. That game is just... So atrocious. Actually, they won't have a bye next week. Giants are on a bye. Patriots play the Chargers. Maybe the Chargers can win that game. We'll see. Titans beat the Panthers 17-10. Chubba Hubbard drops 20 fantasy points. Jay Mingo, 10. Bryce Young, 8. Derrick Henry finally returned to his prowess with 20 fantasy points, but he was on my bench. So to little avail, Tennessee uh, defense 11. And Chikonka on Conowa, whatever their Titans name is, got 8.5. So... Pretty irrelevant, pretty irrelevant. All the points for the Titans were scored in the first half. It was 17-3. Chubba Harbert scored in the third. Titans D came up big. Bryce Young, 194 yards passing. Chubba, 45 yards rushing and a touchdown. Chubba, five catches, 47 yards. Yeah, it's a bad Panthers team. I think Adam Thielen had one catch. Will Levis, 185 yards. Derrick Henry led the day, 76 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Passing-wise... Yeah, no one really did anything. It's just a doozy of a game, if I'm being honest. Um, Titans 4-7, and seven, minus like 40, minus like 30 point differential, bottom of the FC South. Titans, your season's sadly over. And I'll tell you whose season been over. That is the worst team in the NFL. The number one pick last year, the Panthers, 1-10. in 10. 
minus 100 and like 18 point differential, four game losing streak. I don't know if the Panthers will win a game the rest of the season. They're bad. They're freaking really bad. I'll tell you who's not bad, but back. Kyrene Williams leading the Rams to a 37-14 victory on his 38.4 fantasy points. Incredible. Matt Stafford, 23.36. And Tyler Higbee, 19.9. Kyler Murray actually dropped a 20-point fantasy bomb. Marquise Brown, 14. And Trey McBride, 13. Wow, wow, wow. Kyrene Williams, back to his old ways. Matthew Stafford, four, uh, four touchdown passes and a pick on 229 yards. Kyron Williams rushed for 143. Royce Freeman actually rushed for 77 and a touchdown. Tutu Atwell, three catches for 76 yards. Kyron Williams, six catches, 61 yards, and two touchdowns. Good stuff for him. Higby actually caught two touchdowns on five catches for 29 yards. Puka Nakua, only four catches, 27 yards. Cooper Cup, only three catches, 18 yards. They suck. They freaking suck. I won't lie. Puka and Cooper have fallen off. It's weird. Um, uh, Kyler Murray, 256 yards and a touchdown. Rushed for a touchdown. James Conner, six rushes for 27 yards. I mean, not much. Not much to say about the receiving core either. I mean, Cardinals are pitiful. 2-10, and 10, minus, 150, uh, minus 115 point differential, two-game losing streak. As for the Rams, two-game win streak, 5-6. and six. Third in the FC West, trying to sneak into a playoff spot. Potentially. Potentially. Minus two point differential, though. Not too bad, but not necessarily shiny, if I'm being honest. Browns and Bengals. Um, no, Broncos and Browns were the ones that faced off. And let me just tell you, wow. I don't know how this Broncos team continues to do it, but they win 29-12. to And the Broncos are now 6-5 and on a five-game win streak. They were 1-5. and They've completely flipped their season around. All right, and after giving up 70 points, point differential is now only at minus 34. They're working their way back. They honestly are. Browns, 7-4, and four, plus 30 point differential. This did hurt, but they are tied with the Steelers. They are tied with the Steelers. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, and Joku and Ford both had 11.9 fantasy points. Wilson had 16. Denver D15, probably the only, probably the only highlight of the game. I mean, this... It was just it was just a great defensive game from the Broncos. I mean, marching down the field, keeping the ball. Good win for the Broncos, man, if I'm being honest. Good win for them. Um, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, 134 yards and a touchdown. Came out. P.J. Walker, 56 yards thrown. I mean, not that much. Jerome Ford, the only good part of the team. Rushed for 65 yards. Had uh, four catches, 14 yards. I don't know. Offense of the Browns is what will lose them games, not their defense. Russell Wilson only threw for 134 yards and a touchdown, but he did run in a touchdown, and so did Sam Jean Perrine. Devontae Williams, 65 yards rushing on 18 attempts. Not too much. Carlin Sutton, three catches, 61 yards. It was the tight end Troutman who caught the lone touchdown. Good good for him. Good for him. Um, but yeah, Broncos, second in the AFC West. Incredible stuff from them. Incredible Incredible stuff. The Broncos will take on the Texans next week. That should be a very good game, if I'm being honest. As for the Browns, they will meet with the Rams. Hmm. Hmm. I'm actually, I'm actually favor the Rams in that matchup. Now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm thinking about it, I might favor the Rams in that matchup. We'll see. Um, let's get into our three thirty games as the Chiefs took on the Raiders, win thirty-one to seventeen, but. It's a gritty matchup. Let me just tell you, it was not. It was a grind for this Chiefs team. Okay, now this team is good. Chiefs are now eight and three, 
256 points for 181 points against. It's a good defense. Raiders 5-7. and seven, You know, they do have a minus 54-point differential. It's not pretty. Two-game losing streak. But they gave him a run for their money. Isaiah Pacheco, though, 25 fancy points. Rasheed Rice, 24 fancy points. Mahomes, 20 fancy points. Josh Jacobs, 22 fancy points. Jacoby Myers, 20. Aiden O'Connell, 13.92. He's trying. He's trying. Aiden's trying, okay? I'll, we'll, give, we'll give him that. But there was one point in the freaking game. I mean, Raiders had 17. It was 17-21. They were behind. Fell apart in the fourth, though. Fell apart in the fourth. That, that was tough. Mahomes, 298 yards, two touchdowns, doing his thing. But check out, 55 yards rushing for two touchdowns. Incredible. She Rice, eight catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Kelsey, six catches for 91 yards. Still the best tight end in the league. Aiden O'Connell, 248 yards throwing through for a touchdown. No picks. Josh Jacobs, 110 yards and a touchdown on 20 rushes. He's truly the team. Jacoby Myers, six catches, 79 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams, five catches for 73 yards. Doing his thing. Doing his freaking thing, man. The NFL has just been just been electric this season. And you know what? The Chiefs never disappoint. The Chiefs always deliver a barn burner. You know, um, top of top of the league for them. Good job for them. Uh, Raiders get a bye next week. The Chiefs travel to uh, Green Bay to take on the Packers. I really hope Mahomes gives it to the Packers. Um, the game of the week. The game of the week. It was an absolute banger. I didn't really catch too many games this past week. I'm you know, kind of busy working on some homework, work on playing things out. But this was an absolute heater of a game. Eagles beat the Bills in overtime 37 to 34. Incredible, incredible game. We'll touch on the records real quick before we get into these fancy performances. Bills are now 6-6, six and six, okay? Plus 101 point differential. You know, they'll probably make the, they're after grind for the playoffs. They're now competing for a playoff spot with the Texans, the Colts, and the Broncos. All right, the race just tightened up. Only three of you can get in. There's there's a lot competing. We'll see. We'll see that. It's going to be close. It's going to be close. As for the Eagles, the best team in professional football. It's I love it. I just love it. I love to see it. I love um, their 10-1. This team has just been immaculate. Immaculate all year long. Game in. Game out. The defense is good. The offense is good. Just everything about this team just is good. But, um, you know, I don't really want them to win. You know, the Super Bowl per se. I know I always want the Vikings to win. But um, I like this team better than last year's team for some reason. I don't know why. Eagles 10-1, 310 points for the 246 points against. is pretty brutal, but the offense makes up for it. Five-game winning streak. This team's been looking amazing. Josh Allen, though, 39.66 fantasy points. Gabe Davis, 22.5. Stephon Diggs, 19.4. Jalen Hurts, 34.5 fantasy points. I had Jalen Hurts, and I was playing Josh Allen. It was history-making matchup. Devontae Smith, 23.6. A.J. Brown, 14.7. But this was the Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts show. My goodness, ladies and gentlemen. Just my freaking goodness. And I mean, fourth quarter alone, we had three touchdowns. I mean, overtime, it was 37 to 34. And Jalen Hurts marches down the field and runs in a 12-yard touchdown to win it. It was it was bad. The script was good this week, guys. The script was good for this game. Josh Allen, 339 yards throwing, two touchdowns and a pick. 81 yards rushing for two touchdowns. Incredible. James Cook, only 43 yards on the ground. Gabe Davis, six catches, 105 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs, six catches, 74 yards and a touchdown. And actually, James Cook had six catches for 57 yards. Got to shout them all out. Jalen Hurts, though, 200 yards, three touchdowns. Did throw another pick? Did throw another pick, but the MVP race still open. 
punched in two touchdowns on the ground. DeAndre Swift rushed for 80 yards. Devontae Smith, seven catches, 106 yards, a touchdown. AJ Brown, five catches, 37 yards, a touchdown. And Zachuis, one catch for 29 yards and a touchdown. You know what? This Eagles team is looking phenomenal. I'm liking what I'm seeing from them. And they're back to it. They're back to it next weekend. They do take on the 49ers, a tough matchup. That'll be a great game. As for the Bills, they get a much-needed bye week. The Bills really got to assess what they're freaking doing. They have just been... Honestly, we have the same record as the Vikings have the same record as the Bills. That does not feel right. That does not feel right in the slightest. Sunday Night Football, a snooze fest. I won't lie. I won't lie. It was a snooze fest. 20-10, to 10, Ravens beat the Chargers. Zay Flowers, 23.2 fantasy points. Baltimore D, 16. Lamar Jackson, 14.98. Keenan Allen, 22.6 fantasy points. Joe Everett, 14. Justin, 13. I mean, just nothing, nothing much to say here. Nothing much to say. Um, it was 10 to 3 at the half. Then it was 13 to 3. Then it was 13 to 10. And then Zay Flowers ran in a 37-yard run to uh, secure the victory for the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens are now sitting at a lovely 9 and 3, the second best team in the league, the best team in the AFC. Incredible stuff. 324 points for, 187 points against, two game win streak. This is an excellent team, guys. Honestly, Lamar's been performing well, sharing the ball, getting it done to the rookies, getting it done to the OGs and Odell Beckham, doing their thing. That's our Chargers. 4 and 7 with a plus 11 point differential. Incredible. A terrible team with a positive point differential. They just lose close games. Three-game losing streak now. It's tough to be a Chargers fan. But let, let me just touch on, before I touch on the stats for the games, that the Chargers, they play the freaking, um, who is it, the Patriots next week? Such a winnable game from the worst team in the league, easily. They can easily win that game. You know, the Ravens, though, they get a bye week. So it'll be interesting to see how they come back in week 14 after the bye. Uh, but yes, Lamar Jackson, 177 yards and a touchdown. Rush for 39 yards. Zay Flowers, one rush for 37 yards. Got a touchdown. It was incredible. Um, Gus Edwards kind of put on the side for this game. Didn't do much. Isaiah Likely, four catches, four yards. But it was Zay Flowers, five catches, 25 yards at touchdown. Zay Flowers was the man of the hour for this game. Uh, as for the Chargers, Justin Herbert, 217 yards, touchdown and a pick. Was fumbling. Herbert had four rushes for 47 yards. Eckler only rushed for 30 yards. Keenan Allen, the best player. 14 catches, 106 yards. Gerald Everett, the lone man to catch a touchdown. But, um, yeah, Chargers, season's probably over. If you could just string the other wins, you guys would be so good, but you're not going to. Ravens are taking over. The Ravens came to take over, and they did. They're looking, looking nasty. Monday Night Football, you know, I hate that we have to end the week with the Vikings losing. But, you know what? All in a day's work. Vikings lose to the Bears 12-10 in the worst game of the week. This game sucked. So not only did we lose, but it was a terrible game. That's always a doozy. Despite the loss, I mean, Vikings are still plus 21 point differential. 6-6, six and six, still in the playoffs currently, you know, still in the playoffs. Bears are 4-8 and eight with a minus 54 point differential. Not too shabby, Bears. Not too shabby. DJ Moore, 22.4 fantasy points. Chicago D, 15 points. And Carlos Santos, 13 points. That's right. Bears didn't even get a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson, 16 fantasy points. Minnesota defense, 10. Jordan Nelson, 9.9 in this, this snooze fest. Let me, let me recap the game. No one scored in the first. We both got a field goal in the second. The Bears got a field goal in the third. The Bears got a field goal in the fourth. We got a touchdown. We were winning. And then we give up a kick with 10 seconds left to lose the game in typical Minnesota Vikings history. All right. Justin Fields, 217 yards. 
He did fumble, though. He did fumble. Ran for 59 yards. Rashawn Johnson rushed for 35 yards. Khalil Herbert rushed for 24 yards. Nothing. It was DJ Moore, 11 catches, 114 yards. And Cole Komet, 7 catches, 43 yards. That looked the best for the offense. As for the defense, the defense of the Bears was insane. They pick off Josh Dobbs four times. Josh Dobbs, 185 yards, a touchdown, four picks. Oh, boy, he's getting benched next week. Madison rushed for 52 yards. Just nothing. TJ Hawkinson, five catches, 50 yards, a touchdown. The only good you could even look at. Um, honestly, Brandon Powell, though, three catches, four yards. He was looking, doing good. Jordan Aston, six catches, 39 yards. A couple of deep balls didn't work out for him. Man, nothing to say. Just speechless. I'm speechless at how poor it went. It just makes me sad. Makes me sad as a Vikings fan seeing us just fall apart. And then I fall apart. Whatever how it goes, I don't know. I don't even care. Makes me sad. Oh, man. Next weekend, the Vikings on a bye. And when we return week 14, though, Justin Jefferson will be back. We'll be back. We'll be furious. We'll be angry. We'll be ready for revenge. Bears also on a bye week. But on week 14, stay tuned. Vikings will return against the Raiders. And we're going to Las, uh, we're going to Las Vegas. All right. You know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get to go a little trip for the Vikings. I'm not. But the Vikings are. And as for the Bears, they will meet the Lions. And hopefully the Lions will beat them. You know, they, they almost lost last time. Lions, Bears are now my op. Honestly, Lions aren't even my op. It's the Bears. I can't believe we lost. Plus, my whole family's Bears fans, so I don't even get to brag that the Vikings beat them. It is what it is. But yeah, that's all I got for this episode, guys. A lot of stuff, a lot of football. About 45 minutes of football for you. But this was a fun one. Talking about Christmas songs, college football, I mean, movies, UFC news, all sorts of fun stuff. And, you know, the next time I talk to you Thursday will be my final day of classes, which kind of makes me sad. Um, I've just had such a blast with everyone I've met that it's, it's bittersweet, but it'll, it'll be a good way to round things off. We'll look at UFC Austin. We'll look at all sorts of things, but as for now, guys, I hope you were surprised. I hope you were jabbed and I'll catch you next time on the surprise jab podcast. Have a good one, boys.